You're listening to Sportstar Podcasts. For our full multi-sport coverage, head over to sportstar.thehindu.com. Nothing is so fleeting as sporting achievement and nothing so lasting as the recollection of it. This is the Couch Talk Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Couch Talk Podcast. I'm your host Subhash Jairaman. Today we are joined by the former fast bowler of the West Indies and one of the most recognizable voices in cricket, Mr. Ian Bishop. Welcome to Couch Talk Bish. Mm-hmm. I know you're a very busy man. I don't want to take much of your time and I really appreciate you joining on the reboot of uh, Couch Talk. <laughs> Thank you. Good to have you back. It's a pleasure. Um, all right, let's talk about fast bowling and fast bowlers mm-hmm. in the last uh, 30 years you know, basically uh, from the time you debuted for West Indies in 1989 mm-hmm. you walked into a team with Courtney Walsh Courtney Ambrose and uh, later that year Wakar Yunus would debut um, so Pakistan had Wakar and Wasim um, Australia had a couple of quicks uh, Lawson Alderman but in that era that where you would have grown up and came into play in the West Indies side, there was West Indies, Daylight, and then the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that how you saw it too, as a bowler? Um, it was sort of a, a privilege because I'd been following as a, as a youngster, remember, sort of from 1967 to 1977, obviously my knowledge of cricket wouldn't have been that great, but... Um, once I started getting into secondary school, West Indies had become the world champions or were heading towards the beginning of their reign um, under Clive Lloyd. So you're talking about from 1977-78 going forward. And all I really knew was the West Indies fast bowling, uh, holding Roberts, uh, later Ghana, Marshall, going into the 80s with those guys. So... After starting out as a batsman in secondary school, it, it just transformed into wanting to be a fast bowler as well because West Indies were so good. So when I got into the team, Malcolm Marshall was obviously the leading light because Joel and Mikey and those guys had retired in, I think, around 86, 87. So we were the new batch with Kirtley a little earlier than myself, um, but the same year. So having Malcolm around, having Courtney around, who'd been around for about four years prior to me getting into the West Indies team was a great boost. Um, Malcolm took me under his wing, God rest his soul, and really tried to show me the ropes of training, similar to Walsh. Patrick Patterson was there and currently. Mm-hmm. So it was a great initiation, something that I wish um, some of the younger players in the modern era had the benefit of. And unfortunately, uh, they don't because there aren't too many senior players. So I'm blessed with that. And then uh, yeah, Waka, uh, first time I saw him, I think, was in Sharjah, mm-hmm. I think. And um, one of the great things about him coming along and Wasim always being there, and Alan Donald was playing for Warwickshire at the time, if I may stretch it a little further, mm-hmm. was that once I started playing county cricket at Derbyshire, because Mikey was there, I decided to go to Derbyshire. I'd pick up the newspapers and I'd try to see what Wakar was doing in 1990. Um, <laughs> the second year I played county cricket or what Wasim was doing or what Alan Donald was doing. And if they got four wickets, I wanted to get five. You know, so it was a nice era where 
at least I found that they pushed me to be the best that I could be. In terms of overall mm-hmm. um, pecking order, yeah. let's say, of cricket playing nations, test cricket playing nations, uh, to be more specific, um, there was West Indies and then there was a gap. But then, as you said, you know, with uh, Alan Don- and with South Africa uh, coming back from isolation, then there was Alan Donald and some more from South Africa. Um, so, how do you see the development of fast bowling talent and the pool of fast bowlers? How it was metamorphosizing in, your, in front of your very own eyes as you develop into a fast bowler in the West Indies setup? I was fortunate in that we had that great history and as I said, those guys to help me along. And around the world at that time, there were still those guys from the other nations, from mm-hmm. Pakistan, uh, AD with South Africa, because South Africa came out here in 91-92 for their um, first test match out here. Um, so just to try to carry on that legacy, because I'd also spent that year with Mikey, as you said, mm-hmm. and that was a great boost to me. I'd had contact with Joel Garner in my first year of playing first class cricket. So that was my aspiration. And then, of course, Kirtley was there. Courtney was still there. The Benjamins came along. So fast bowling was all I really wanted to be, even though I started out as a batsman. And we were still dominant, you know. We were mm-hmm. still fairly dominant around the world for about three or four more years, I think. But on reflection, I kind of, and we kind of saw the cracks uh, in the armor, even at that stage when I got into the team. Because um, we we sort of, in 88, we steamrolled England, and we did well against India in 89 here in the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, but in 1990, um, England ran us close and there were some debatable decisions. So the cracks in the armor were still there. I think more from a batting perspective than a fast bowling perspective. Um, we talked about the Pakistani fast bowlers. Yeah. And, you know, you played in the county. A lot of the Caribbean uh, fast bowlers played in the county, as you mentioned as well. Um, you know, there was an era where reverse swing was taking over. Yeah. And they were the exponents of it. But the craft was kind of shared, um, you know, if you go back to learn, you know, hear from Azim or Imran Khan, uh, they would say about how, you know, people were reversing in uh, the county cricket itself. But, you know, there were no Caribbean fast bowlers mm-hmm. that were doing reverse swing because you could do the first thing really so well that you didn't have to <laughs> resort to reverse swing. What was it? Um, yeah, we didn't know much about it. I remember when we got to Pakistan in 1990, um, New Zealand had been there just before us. So we were entering and they were leaving. And they had had their issues with the reverse swing. So I think one or two members of their team had been in touch with one or two members of our team and and saying, look, this is what's happening. This phenomenon is growing. And however, they went about doing it. But as a fast bowler, as a tall guy, and most of our fast bowlers were tall. Of course, Malcolm Marshall was an average height and, and a great um, I sort of depended more on, on Kirtley and Courtney Bounce. Um, the nature of West Indian wickets as well. We certainly looked to carry people to slip or to get people gloving here, there and everywhere. So the stumps were a target, but not in the same way that it was for Waka and Wazim growing up on slow wickets, slow-ish wickets in the mm-hmm. subcontinent. Um, so I don't think we ever really learned the skill of how to develop it. 
Not that we care too much, really. <laughs> I mean, Critley and Courtney were still phenomenal bowlers. Malcolm uh, was as skilled even in the last couple of years that, as, that he played as a great bowler. But we were fascinated that Wazim and those guys were able to get it done the way that they got it done in Pakistan. How did that series end? I think it ended one all in 1990. We just couldn't finish them off in Lahore in the last test match. So we still had our skill and and we were quite happy to continue perfecting our art, which was different from hitting the stumps and hitting the pads. Since your playing career, you know, you've been observing the sport yeah. uh, as a commentator. Um, yeah. But so when it comes to watching cricket itself, you yeah. know, um, if you look from somebody outside of cricket that has never played cricket, yeah. um, people are quick to criticize the batsman. Right. Um, you know, oh, you played a bad shot right. or this or that or didn't make the runs, the averages. Right. But it takes a lot more, I suppose, to appreciate uh, mm-hmm. the bad and the good and the ugly of bowling, especially fast bowling, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you could make, you could be hitting back of the length on a really good bounce if you can make, you know, beating the edges, but that's not good. So, how do you see it? Uh, you know, how do you observe cricket now having played the sport how do yeah. you observe fast bowling I have a great appreciation for the skill because I think the game is a lot more difficult now because of the three formats of the game that exist because of all the technology that is involved now and the scrutiny that bowlers and batsmen are under I think a lot of the modern game learned a lot from West Indies cricket uh, because there's this saying that if I can see further it is because I stand on the shoulders of giants mm-hmm. And I think a lot of countries learned from that quartet that Clive Lloyd developed from 1976 going forward, starting with Andy and with Mikey, with Joel, with Colin Croft for a little while, and Malcolm carried the baton even further to be probably the greatest of them all. The skill that I see now, the slower balls that come in, uh, in the shortest format, um, the ability to, to be consistent, uh, it's something that I admire. The athleticism of the modern fast bowler has gone to another level where guys are now as good a fielder as fast bowlers instead of sticking the old boot in uh, on the boundary line. But I think some skills have been lost as well, unfortunately. And the skill of swinging the ball, maybe it's because of the ball, maybe it's because of maybe it's flatter pitches, that has now been revived in the last two or three scenes of international cricket where the ball seems to be swinging more, the pitches are offering more, as we see here in the Caribbean. And to be honest, Subhashai, from West Indies cricket point of view, we have a lot of fast bowling talent here still mm-hmm. that can come to the fore. And my heart's passion is to be able to contribute to the development of that wherever I can and so there would be one or two guys that I would have taken to advising privately over the years because Malcolm and Courtney and Kirtley encouraged me like no other coming through even Wazim mm-hmm. one of my greatest experiences was I think the 1990 playing against Lancashire Chesterfield and Chesterfield was a bouncy ground in Derby and um, we overran Lancashire because they just couldn't handle the bounce of that pitch. And I got, I went to Old Trafford later in the season and I tried to do the same thing there. It didn't work. And Wazim pulled me aside and he said, Bish, look, simple advice. 
you can't bowl the same way on every pitch. You mm. have to be able to adjust the conditions. Simple advice, but that stuck with me forever. And Wazim didn't have to do it. And I'm very thankful to him for that. Shoaib Akhtar mm. is you know, one of the quickest bowlers and he's known to have said, pace is pace, yeah. Mm. You know, but there are not going to be... everybody. Everybody's not going to be gifted with that mm. uh, where you can just bowl uh, fast, mm-hmm. 95, because it takes a huge toll on your body. Uh, so when you see a bowler, yeah. when you see a fast bowler or medium fast bowler, what is if you see him for the first time, yeah. how, do, how are you breaking their bowling down to understand what they're trying to do? Well, that, that an average yeah. Joe cannot. Wow, that, that's a good question because I've learned so much more about fast bowling and the technical aspects after I've stopped playing and now that I'm commentating, just seeing things and learning about a brace front leg. Um, learning about getting off your back foot quicker. And so the first thing that strikes you, I suppose, is the pace of the individual. Um, someone like a Shannon Gabriel, um, a Joffre Archer, the first thing that strikes you is their pace. Mm-hmm. And then you start looking at the foundation. Well, I start looking at the foundation of the person from, obviously, the feet up. Uh, in that delivery stride, a brace front leg is a critical thing. You don't have to have it. Shirebakta didn't have it, but you get the most out of yourself with that. I'm looking at the alignment of the feet. Um, then I'm coming up now and I'm starting to get technical. I'm looking at the hips compared to the upper body, uh, how the non-bowling arm pulls through. Mm-hmm. And But I can't say that it has to be any one way because I'm looking at Jasper Boomerang. We're comparing him and the things that he just does differently. So those are my fundamentals. I love a brace front leg. Yeah. I love a, a decent sized delivery stride with it, without it being um, too lengthy a stride. And then trying to decipher from the bowler's run-up. Because I think also if the fastest bowlers have great momentum and speed coming to the crease and not just ambling up. 95% of the time. So mm-hmm. those are some of the things I'm looking for. And those are the essentials to be a good fast bowler. Yeah. Uh, well, to bowl, to bowl fast. To bowl fast, Whether you're right? good or not is a different okay. story. Yeah. So now, how do you separate, in your eyes, yeah. the good fast bowler wow. from the average fast bowler and the good fast bowler from a great fast bowler? What, in your eyes, separates that? Well, I think most great fast bowlers will, will obviously have um, a semblance of brain power in the sense that they're great thinkers of the game, most of them. And Malcolm Marshall, to me, as a, as a tutor, as a mentor, for example, was brilliant to stand at mid-off or mid-on while he was bowling. And he would at times tell me what he was going to do because of what the batsman was doing and maneuver the field and show me what he was doing. So he understood how to break down a batsman's technique, obviously played a lot of cricket uh, around the world and in the UK. Um, The willingness to work hard, to bowl fast, because it is an unnatural action. Um, And then just the technique. Um, Again, we can talk to two of the modern guys so that people can understand. Um, Jasprit Bumar, again, is... A very level-headed guy, very articulate, understands the game, unusual action, whereas someone like Joffre Archer, um, just looking at him now, the efficiency of his technique, um, 
the alignment of it to me is almost perfect the way he lines up his feet the economy of his run up which is not as slow as people think and then i look at the way he reads a batsman and tries to understand what length is appropriate and i'm fascinated by it. so those are just two examples they're not the only guys who yeah. do it well as you mentioned multiple times mm-hmm. the malcolm marshall mm-hmm. and if you ask people around the world of certain age they would say he was the complete fast bowler yeah. that they ever saw yeah. uh, or you know people in yoshu say could say that complete fast bowler they ever played with or against since that era yeah. the era of that i have very closely watched right. i would say dale stain is the most complete fast bowler right. since malcolm would right. uh, would you share that opinion yeah nay why why not and this means as no disrespect to you know, no, 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 no. any other fast bowler i'm just trying to stay to put it into perspective um i wish i knew dale better um i think dale is 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 a great fast bowler because he must understand batting but he was such a gifted athlete as well with his outswing uh his ability to reverse the ball on the subcontinent and perform under all conditions just as malcolm did um i just wonder if malcolm had more variety obviously we're talking generations mm-hmm. malcolm had greater a greater control over a range of deliveries for example he was a great outswing bowler through most of his career and for example when we went to england on my first tour to england in 1988 he developed this big booming in swinger that he bowled a lot to graham gooch and graham really struggled uh, for a while um and that just when malcolm was in his pump against india in 1983 i think in the caribbean when he had this big battle with mahinda amanat yes i remember Uh, he used the short ball he came round the wicket he, he changed angles and he always spoke about angles so even when he reduced his pace he was still a significantly uh, impressive bowler um dale strike rate is is probably great i don't know the numbers but i don't know if he was as wrong in some way in the 40s yeah i mean as has beyond the imagination to be honest i don't know how he did it Uh, but a great athlete in his own right and for various reasons right up there if not ahead of some of the guys that went before on his contemporaries but it's just different malcolm i thought was a great cricket brain uh he would have made a good captain of the west indies uh if that opportunity ever presented itself for a long period so everybody has different strengths right who would you say is I'm not saying the next malcolm marshall or whatever but yeah. you know who in your experience of playing with against watched you know you you have a life in cricket um that even comes close to what uh, marshall was as a fast bowler wow i don't know that i don't know that anybody it's not that i revere or worship malcolm but malcolm made a big impression on me i mean mikey uh, for example had me under his wing at derbyshire but i missed his prime years mm-hmm. um but in terms of a guy who knows the game and a no nonsense person <laughs> that left an impression on me and i have a lot of time for someone like him i wrote i think he's flown under the radar um as he approaches sandy roberts now who was the first person sandy to make 
something of my technique as a coach mm-hmm. in my very young days, I think Kimar has to be... I thought Kimar actually would have gone on to be the next guy to get 300 test wickets and more for West Indies, but he's had his injuries and stuff. So coming through the system now, um, you've got a guy called Shimar Holder, yeah. who's a very impressive young kid, and I'd love to see him take over the mantle when guys, the other, the incumbents, start to to go towards the twilight of their career. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how Shima and Alzari Joseph do the job of carrying on the legacy because I think they're about the same age, very talented. You know, you talked about Jasprit Bumrah, yeah. uh, Jofra Archer, uh, unquestionably great fast-bowling talents. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk a bit about Kaiso Rabada? How do you, I mean, it, sometimes it seems unfair. It's like the West Indies at that time. You know, Dale Stane retires and the mantle goes to Kahiso and Ngidi's there mm-hmm. and there are other fast bowlers too. But it seems almost unfair that there is a line coming through. Um, how do you see Rabada's bowling? If, you, if we want to talk about the young group um, right now, which would include Kahiso in in that Jaspreet and Jofra Archer case, even Shaheen Afridi mm-hmm. um, of Pakistan, I would include in that group as as guys who are the successors. Obviously, slightly different ages. Um, one of the things I know Michael Holding has been talking about it publicly for a while is the workload that Rabada has already gone through. Yes. And that is why I think the modern fast bowler has it so difficult. The guys who play all formats, which Jasper does, which Joffre does and will continue for some time, and which Kahiso is also a part of. Test match cricket, 50 over cricket, T20 cricket, and very good. The workload that he's going through. One, I also worry that it will lead into injury. He was not at his best in the World Cup, partly because of that that he will lose pace, and I think pace is one of the main ingredients that separates Jaspreet, Jofra, Kahiso, even Shaheen Afridi to a lesser extent, from the rest of the pack, because they've all got skills. They all have a great know-how, but if you lose that edge in pace, it brings you back closer to the group, and it brings your team back as well. So my prayer is that Kahiso who knows the game, will be managed properly so that he can fulfill what I think is a great talent. The first time I ever heard someone talk about him was Kyron Pollard. Hmm. I was watching the, I think it was T20 tournament in South Africa, and I think he was playing, competing in that tournament, and Pollard was there as well. So when I heard people talking and Pollard came back to the Caribbean, I said, Kyron, Rabada guy, how good is he? How quick is he? Mm. And Pala just shook his head rapidly <laughs> uh, up and down in a kind of nervous shake and he just said, yeah, quick, really, really quick and outstanding. And what we've seen of Rabada now confirms everything. But again, the workload, just like Michael Holding, concerns me. I mean, you had mentioned earlier about you know, the fast bowlers within the West Indies, mm-hmm. you know, better pitches, perhaps the yeah. ball swinging, etc. Yeah. But 
you know, there is there seems to be resurgence in fast bowling, not just in Caribbean, but around the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, every team seems to have two to three legit fast, fast medium bowlers. Right. You know, um, on a good day, could be fast bowlers. Right. Um, and some of the numbers confirm that uh, that yes, fast bowlers are taking a lot more wickets around the world. That's uh, a good thing. Yes. Um, what do you attribute that resurgence to? Having watched cricket, as you watch cricket, I don't know what what that is attributed to. You know, I, I really couldn't pinpoint it. What I what I do know is that I'm happy for it. I don't know who else is, but I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see the pitches encourage those guys a lot more in many parts of the world. Not necessarily all, but many, because I think it redresses a balance of the superiority of bat over ball mm-hmm. for far too long, and it makes the game more interesting. Uh, in the Caribbean here, I know for a fact that the pitches have been a big help and encouragement because for a long time, the pitches in the Caribbean domestically and even internationally have been slow, low pitches, which did nothing to encourage the fast bowling crop that we have now. Roach is enjoying it. Shannon Gabriel is enjoying it. Yeah. Jason Holder is enjoying it. Shamar Holder is coming through at a good time. Um, Alzari Joseph is coming through at a good time. I love Pat Cummings, uh, Joss Hazelwood. Yeah. I wish they could get, I know there was a mandate some years ago to try to get some more life in Australian pitches. I'm not sure how it's played out, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but there was a mandate. So, India have a number of, of young quicks coming through as well. As we're seeing, um, Nagakoti and Shivam Mavi from the last World Cup, although they've been injured for a while now, yeah. I hope that, fingers crossed, they come through. So fast bowling is having a renaissance because there's been an encouragement and a recognition that if you have to win test matches, yes, you need a good spinner. If you have to win all around the world, if you have to compete, you need fast bowling even in 50 over cricket. We see how important that is now. You know, in your time, Obviously, we can see the appreciation of the guys that came before you yeah. within the West Indies. Yeah. After your playing career ended, yeah. um, to your TV uh, commentary career started, yeah. and then has gone on to where it is yeah. now. Um, yeah. What is one of the most fascinating spell of... It doesn't have to be one. It could be more. Uh, whether you've seen it live... As in the, in the from the box, or yeah. you know, even on TV, or read about it, and then went and checked it out on YouTube. No, whatever I mean, I you know. Do that. I mean, some of the things that we've seen, if I if I can recall firsthand, I mean, I was there when Shirdatta got is it seven or whatever twelve or something against New Zealand uh, in Pakistan mm-hmm. at that time. Cricket obviously was international cricket was still being played there, and it it was fascinating from the point of view that Shoaib took the pitch almost totally out of the equation. And it was just a sequence of full, fast deliveries that to me was mind-blowing. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, that was brilliant. Um, Shannon Gabriel's uh, haul against Sri Lanka here a couple of years ago, what did he get, 13 or 14 wickets <laughs> or something like that. I thought it was outstanding. Because the pitch itself was a fascinating cricket pitch, 
uh, Sri Lanka had also Dinesh Chandimal had played a wonderful innings but just a sustained ferocity of fast bowling um, but any spell from Kirtley Ambrose for example when as a player just standing down at fine leg watching him um, I've always talked about it as one of the great treats of, for myself as a player because I'd be running in trying to do things and there would be Kirtley every single time, one of the most consistent performers that I could only dream of being. And I was often jealous because of the control that he would have over almost every situation, um, the bounce that he would generate, the pace. And it was like, what, however tough the situation, if I couldn't do it, Kirtley was always number one. Uh, Courtney there as well. So, look, uh, there are many spells, but those are a couple of the key bowlers um, and spells that I thought were quite riveting. Um, how do you see, finally, um, you know, fast bowling as a whole, you know, because the workload is not going to reduce. Mm. Um, how do you see fast bowling being nurtured and developed so that more get into it uh, and make the sport that much better? How do you see it progressing? I, I you know, five years, ten years? Oh, it's ah. a Boy, I mean, I think it's got its work cut out for it because it will probably, to be honest with you, come down to the player. Um, I would hate and since West Indies are playing in there right now, I would hate for Jasper Boomer, for example, to lose any semblance of peace or be injured. I would hate for Jofra Archer to lose anything that he has because he plays all formats like Jasper or Kahiso Rabada, because I think the world of cricket has so much to gain from these guys and the popularity of this sport that they can grow. Um, so I think there's a huge challenge to manage these players so that they can get financial security, but that they can also fulfill their potential. Shaheen Afridi, my God, is an exciting prospect. Yeah. Um, I can't emphasize that. I don't know if he's yet the all-format player that he could be. But if we take those four and the interest they generated in the World Cup, it is really for management of countries to sit together with these young kids and take some criticism. You're going to take some criticism for probably not playing Jofra in a series here and a series there or a match here or a match there. India do a wonderful job with Bumrah. He didn't come to the Caribbean for the white ball aspect of it all. That is brilliant. Spectators would miss it. So the management, I think, is, is, is the key. Because there's so much money to be made out there. So, um, if I could reinforce that, I'm happy for a series to go by and Shaheen doesn't play in it, or Jofra doesn't play in it, or Jasper doesn't play in it. I'm happy because I'm thinking long term. And I know that there are some other people out there who will think the same way. So, I'm happy for these guys. Glad they've come, but just the management. On that note, Bish, thank you so much. Uh, for being on the Couch Talk Reboot. Uh, I really appreciate your time. And good to see you healthy and strong, and I hope that it stays that way as well. Thanks Thank for having you. me. Thank you, sir. My pleasure.